Welcome to episode six of the Basis Health and Performance Podcast. On this episode, we break down recovery and the super compensation curve. Sarah goes off on fueling yourself for better recovery. And lastly, we cover the sauna report, why we use the infrared sauna at Basis and what makes it so great. Listen closely and we hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Yes. Okay, we're back. We got episode 37. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. Yeah. Nate, Sarah, Grayson again. Grayson, yeah. yeah. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. folks, talking about recovery today. Um, So we just kind of want to talk about recovery. It's like the... It's the hot topic. It's a hot topic, basically, because um, we kind of mentioned it a little bit in a former podcast, but it is really the true measure of your fitness is what you can recover from, um, not necessarily what you can pull off in a given workout. Um, I guess you could can say that it's both, but... Um, but only if you recover. <laughs> yeah. Only if you recover. Yeah. Like at a certain point, you never came back after the recovery that <laughs> is the really, really the important thing. And then how do you take care of that? Like, you know, what strategies do we use? Um, what are you may, may or may not be doing to actually keep that recovery up at its peak level? Um, yeah. And then maybe how we, uh, how we implement that at the gym. Cause we all have our own recovery methods yeah. that we like, but then how do you yeah. How do you get everybody at the gym to buy into that? Yeah. We can get like nerdy about like allostatic load and, um, Supercompensation mm. stuff, but essentially what's happening, and I think Big this words. is, yeah, overall with health and with fitness, it is I'm introducing some sort of a stressor into my life and I am challenging my body to adapt to that. And then that adaptation makes me better capable of handling another bout of that as it comes up. Um, so training consistency, a good training program, all of that um, basically should be driving uh driving that adaptation further. So you don't want to just go do the same thing at the gym all the time. Like if you work out at, I don't know, some big box gym and you just go do the same weights, the same cardio, the same blah, blah, blah. Um, you're not pushing that adaptation curve. You're maintaining whatever you have, but you're not getting stronger. Your muscle mass isn't going to look any better. Um, stuff's not changing basically. Um, so good programming pushes that adaptation, but you have to consider not just your program. You have to also consider like what else is happening in your life because it's all stress to the body. So if you slept like crap, um, that should alter your programming for that day. Yeah. Um, and then if you are stressed out for any other reason, or you have like kind of ongoing stress, like short bouts of stress, like this morning when I dropped my daughter off, (laughs) (laughs) going through a phase of, you know, is this a real story or hypothetical? (laughs) It's a a real story. Yeah. Like I got here and I'm basically like, just, you know, this like steam coming out of my collar because I'm so mad at her just for being a four-year-old, but, uh, for being a particularly tough. For the record, our daughter is pretty wily. She's but she's cute, spicy, strong she's and spicy. Cute, yeah. <laughs> um, it's the redeeming factor. You yep. get over that really quickly. But when you have kind of like an ongoing chronic kind of a stress, like, uh, for example, with her also, she was born with a cleft palate. So we had this combination of like life upheaval, having to be at the NICU for a month, like not sleeping. That was horrible. Like that would have been a horrible time to try to like prepare for some sort of physical yeah. anything, you know, <laughs> we were in maintenance mode. Yeah. Maintenance mode. Yeah. 
So um, first and foremost, I think, is the awareness of what contributes to your stress load, um, not just your workout. So you have these expectations of being able to adapt to and handle these loads, um, but your nutrition goes into that. Like if you don't have the right amounts of macro and micronutrients, uh, like proteins, carbs, uh, fats, those are the macros, and then um, like vitamins and minerals, uh, you're not going to be adapting as well as you could. Um, whether you are not eating enough food, there are a lot of people that are like ultra low, um, low calorie, your body basically doesn't have, have enough protein to turn into the muscle mass. It's basically just kind of trying to repair tissues with whatever small amount of protein you're giving it. Um, it doesn't have enough overall energy to fuel development of lean tissue because that's expensive. Um, but then also like the recovery capacity there, like there's just not the, the fuel to do that. And it's probably under a little bit of stress. If you are, depending on how low calorie you are, that can just add to like a kind of constant chronic stressor. Um, and I think for, I see and hear with the people that I deal with, it affects some people more than others. Some people seem to be really affected by it and others, not so much than that they have a really hard time losing weight. Um, sleep isn't a huge thing. Sleep is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I, really when your body is recovering is when you're sleeping. I don't really know very much about nutrition at all. I, I repeat all the stuff that my wife says, but you know, one thing I know that she says all the time, and this is something that we really try to tell everybody at the gym. We know that we have a good workout program here, but that is completely irrelevant to your sleep and your nutrition if they're bad, basically. So right. like whatever, however good your workout program is, if you don't have your sleep and your nutrition dialed in, your results are going to be limited at best, if not completely hampered by the lack of sleep or nutrition. So yeah, that's, that's something that we really push on people when they come in just to really get their heads around that as far as like prioritizing their yeah. stuff. And yeah. even when they come in with poor sleep, like if they're coming in on, on a Tuesday when we, when we have a VO2 max class, like they're encouraged to stay in the green because otherwise, I mean, you're just digging yourself deeper yeah. into that. Like we said, we have a and video some, on our YouTube channel, sorry, a video on our YouTube channel about super con super compensation curve and how it happens on that macro scale of like throughout a training cycle, if you're not um, recovering enough, you're digging yourself deeper, but also on a, on a smaller scale of in between reps and sets or in between sets during your exercise, if you're not recovering in between, you're digging yourself into a deeper and deeper hole. And if you're not recovering from that over the time frame, you're just, you're not going to adapt to something that you're digging yourself further and further into this hole. So yeah. And sleep if you're, is that uh, one. depending on like the activity that you're doing. So there's also like even people that are trying to do their best with their nutrition, they're sometimes kind of unaware of how certain things work. Um, and that can dig holes. Like if you're deep into a ketogenic diet, but you're doing um, activity that your body is kind of demanding more glycogen or even more like electrolytes than you have available, it's going to start kind of driving that like, I feel like shit process and stress process because your body needs stuff that it doesn't have, which is stressful. Um, some people do really well on a ketogenic diet. Women seem to do better. Um, with less effort to dial those things in, in my experience, at least, especially with the carbs. Um, 
Whereas men sometimes have to be a little bit more, I think because women are just more efficient, like we're better at burning fat for fuel, whereas men are, uh, they'll dump more glycogen and use more glycogen than we will in given activities. So if you are a male that is doing a ketogenic diet, you want to make sure that you are um, basically like able to replete whatever glycogen is gone and that it's happening at a rate that whatever your activity is feels good to you. So some guys feel okay. Some, they, some feel great. Other guys feel better if they have a little more carbohydrate or like post-workout carbohydrate where it is more likely to go into the muscle tissue than both the fat and the muscle. But also like if you work out, one of the goals of that workout is probably to look better, um, which is basically meaning that your body composition is shifting towards better muscle mass, less fat mass. But if your protein isn't optimized, this isn't really going to happen. Um, so optimal protein intakes for people that work out is close to that a gram of protein per pound of lean body mass, maybe a little bit higher than that. And if you're older, it's also higher because as you get older, your body is less good at basically like the receptors for those growth hormones and the things that are kind of driving that adaptation from like a muscle standpoint, they're not working quite as well anymore. Um, so sarcopenia is something that they deal with muscle wasting. You need to keep strength training and you need to, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, this is good. You keep going. We're all no, learning keep right talking. Now. No. That's uh, good. And you, you need to feed that with protein. So, uh, a lot of people, when I tell them the amount of protein that does that, they they're like they look at me like I've got two heads. You like smoking no crack? Way you're that's going to happen. But just so you know, that is optimizing your body's ability to take what we're doing in here and turn it into stuff. Like if you're taking strength class, I would really consider optimizing your protein. It's not dangerous. Like whatever uh, BS studies out there that have pointed to meat being you know causing cancer the overwhelming body of research that has been reviewed says that it does not cause cancer. Those are some poorly done studies that, um, they're not strong enough evidence for anybody in the community that's got any respect to actually say, yeah, this stuff is causing cancer. So then again, it's also optimizing protein sources and I won't go super deep down this rabbit hole, but like vegetarian that's protein sources. Yeah. That's a bonk, bonk, bonk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck my life. It's not, they're not optimal sources of protein. It's not an optimal human diet. You're missing essential nutrients, but the proteins are of lower biological value, meaning that they are less digestible. They have incomplete amino acid profiles. A lot of them are very low in leucine and leucine is the specific amino that your body needs the most for building muscle. Um, so you have to be really careful. It's next to impossible. Like if you take some guy that's trying to get 125 grams of protein in, he's going to have to eat like, I think it's like a multiple cups of beans and rice, like 2000 calories worth of beans and rice just to hit the 125 grams of protein. It's called a fuck shit ton. It's horrible. Yeah. Like it's just dumb. And then a lot of us don't digest that stuff very well. It causes like lots of gas and like gut disruption and um, leaky gut and pain and problems and bleeding out of your asshole. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, it's a suboptimal protein source. So basically like you've got, you know, a little tiny bit of steak that's got 180 calories versus a whole heap of whole foods. Uh, otherwise you have to turn to processed protein sources to get that same amount of protein, like protein powders or these really like Franken 
Beyond Burger dog food meats. Um, they're not they're not good for you. They're not optimal. They're not healthy. They're processed food that have illegal like heme substances in them that nobody knows what that stuff is. It's not approved by the FDA. Anyways, blah blah blah. If you want to know blah, how blah, to blah. get Sarah fired up, <laughs> yeah, go watch the Game Changers <laughs> and then um, sit down and talk to her about it. I just want to interject really it. quickly. You can do the diet. You just have to like really know what you're doing. It's suboptimal basically. Like if you're trying to optimize your protein, I wouldn't be wasting time with that. Um, but let, well, oh, yeah, before we keep going, Nate wants you I, I, I want to interject. Cool, the vegan fire. Yeah, right here. I, if you, you um, what everyone just experienced is Sarah Strange in a nutshell. <laughs> like <laughs> Sarah Strange raging in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay. It's good. It's this is why we have the podcast because there's a ton of super valuable information that we have no other way of getting out because there's no way that I could transcribe <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah is passionate about good nutrition. Yeah. In case you push were, the talk uh, button, curious, or you push weren't sure from that last little, yeah, little bit. Um, do we want to circle so anyways, back to, to recovery resources? <laughs> yeah. So well, basically, <laughs> let's recap that. If you want to get the gains, you have to have your sleep and nutrition dialed in. Right. right. At and, least, and well. with nutrition, just understand like what the building blocks of muscle are. Like if you're trying to build muscle mass, trying to get stronger, you need fuel to do that. The fuel is protein. The better the protein source, the better the results are going to be with the less digestive distress. You'll know you're getting hundred percent of it. Um, and then carbohydrate fuel, it depends on the type of activity that you're doing, but for some people it's very necessary for recovery. Like a lot of people just feel better when they up their carbs a little bit. Um, we recently had a lady that we brought, uh, put into ketosis, got her off of her metformin or blood sugar normalized, she dropped 50 pounds. Like it, it was like miracles. But now she have, we're, we've pushed her carbs back up a little bit to hundred and she feels way better. So initially she felt really good. Um, and now she's feeling a little better with more carbs, but she's also working out a lot. She's coming in here and crushing time. a bunch of conditioning classes. So there's like a sweet spot that you want to play around with your carbs. If you feel like, you know, your my old expression was like someone pour kitty litter in your turbos. Like it might be that you just need a little more carbohydrate. Um, but whole foods sources of carbohydrate, I feel like are preferable um, just because they're more nutrient dense. You can get them from dextrose powder, but. This is just reminding me, you, you are doing a nutrition podcast with Sophia, right? That's right. We do that from time yeah. to time. We talk yeah. about food things. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to have some, some super in-depth additional stuff. More rambling. More, More rambling. rambling. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, thought I was should... just going to read Rhonda Patrick's sauna report word for oh, word. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the next, the next podcast. Uh, no, that's perfect. Well, so was... yeah. So dialing in your nutrition, making yes. sure your sleep, sleep is good. So eight and, and uninterrupted hours, sleep, uh, practices and high, like they call it sleep hygiene, but it's basically like, don't look at blue light. You can get the dorky glasses or you can just get the apps that turn off the yeah. blue light. Or you can have self-control. <laughs> And I just like, like regular bedtime, that. you know, like set yourself up for success. Like if you know you got to wake up at a certain time, don't go to bed like way later than you can possibly get that time in. Um, and sleep, nutrition, stress well, I was load, talk too a little much bit training. About, yeah, the stress load and the training thing from from the gym here. Um, I mean, that's one thing that we do a lot of. Like we do road mapping when people come in to try to come up with a a class schedule that fits what yeah, their goals are, but also like a, we have regular discussions with people all the time about like, you know, what's going on in your life? Like we want to know what's happening in people's lives and we hear all kinds of stuff. You know, if you, you coach, you end up being like half therapist, half coach. And so you get to hear about what really goes on in people's lives. And a lot of that 
we take that information and we tell people like, don't go take that VO2 max class on Tuesday. Yeah. You should go get your ass in the sauna, do your cars. I know we talked about this on a, another podcast already, but, um, or just, you know, get them in to go to, to go do an aerobic zone training class. Just go right. do that lower intensity stuff. Like I think a lot of it is the, the, the constant talking with people about, you know, just reminding them that they should be adjusting what they're taking as far as their additional exercise stress based on what's going on in their lives. And that's something that changes regularly. Like people like the VO2 max class, they like AZT, they get set in their routine, but that's something that we, we really try to get people to understand that they need to adjust that based on what's going on. It's not really ever a constant thing unless all of the other parameters are dialed in and there's no other extra variables and that's not really how life is, especially if you have whatever you have, everybody's got their own shit. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's a big one from the training standpoint, especially, especially the people who have, you know, we do have some people who have pretty, pretty lofty goals in the strength training department. Yeah. That's a big one. You know, like if people are uh, honestly, that conversation usually, usually either goes back to doing some more kin stretch or more aerobic zone training. Um, but really getting people to get the strength results that they want because that stuff gets harder and harder the longer you strength train. And so we do a lot of that, helping them figure out how to manage the exercise intensity. Right. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. And I think part of that too is, I think all of this just comes down to like understanding where you're at and what, what you're doing, but also like understanding when you need to ask for help, like I just want to go talk to Sarah now about my nutrition because I feel terrible about it. <laughs> no, but really, I, I mean, coming to the gym, if you're from, if you're from basis, you probably know that we're all super accessible, but having the information and the knowledge of knowing where you're at within your training on any specific day is huge. That's why we like all using the, I mentioned earlier, the Morpheus stuff, taking your HRV, getting some pretty good insight as to like what your central nervous system is prepared for it for that day. Like that's all huge understanding where you are at within on the micro within that macro, knowing yeah. where you want to be and how today like may not be your high intensity day. Today may be your low intensity day and you need to find a facility or a person who can guide you in that. Okay. Today we're going to take kin stretch. Today we're going to take AZT or today we're going to go hard. You have yeah. to know what that looks like and what, what variables and factors you can pull on and adjust if that doesn't seem to change. Yeah. sleep, nutrition. I think HRV too is like, if you're, uh, maybe you're training somebody that like works in the ER and has a terrible schedule oh, yeah. or, you know, whatever shift work type stuff. Um, cause overall you're like, Oh, don't do anything. But like, obviously they need to do something. So using HRV can then be a little bit of an easier, like, oh, okay, you got a green, go for it, buddy. Um, but it also like, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Like sometimes it makes people like a little too hyper neurotic and they get mad at it and they have like, I feel like you're talking about me. Where they're, <laughs> they're like spending 30 minutes in the bedroom because the app won't work and they come out in a rage and it's like, well, that's not good for your stress. That never happened. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I mean, if you're good at, if you're following a good program that's high-low, if you're doing all this recovery stuff, you should be fine without tracking your HRV. Um, but if you have like some super lofty goals or if you have a lot of extra stress that you're trying to manage, but you know that there's some things that you just can't really get rid of because they're your job or whatever, um, HRV can be really helpful with that, I think. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think we all would agree that at least at a, at a base level, you should be doing high-low programming, Yeah. right? Or high-low intensity training or like even hard day and then day off of exercise and just do some 
some stuff that's good for you. Go take a walk, hang out yeah. with your family yeah. or whatever that is. I mean, weightlifting, it's funny because like, uh, I mean, not people that don't know what they're doing with programming, but like programming cycles, they're, they, they're all like that anyway. Like they have their little waves of intensity. Um, they don't ever just go high intensity all the time. Um, but for some reason, conditioning doesn't take that same tact a lot of the time. Although I will say a, a good weightlifting program is pretty damn demanding on your body. You're, you're still lifting lots of weights, even on your low intensity days. <laughs> It's always demanding, but you have deload weeks. You totally. have breaks. Yeah, you do. Like right. you don't just yeah. go right. like the whole time. And you I mean, there's all kinds the of different <laughs> different waves. Yeah. But I love doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the sauna. Grayson's like really the sauna master. Yeah, I was going to say we can talk about the sauna, but. Well, I'm no, I'm no, I mean, I, I use, I use it a lot. I try to at least. Extra recovery tools, you know, like some yeah. other little tools you can have in your, yeah. in your belt. The that executive help boost workout. Your recovery. Really what you should do is, like Nate said, is go download uh, Rhonda, Rhonda Patrick's. Patrick's sauna report. And She's a really good analysis. It's probably like a 20-page 20, 20 PDF, and I guarantee you'll get five or six pages in, and then you'll just say, okay, Spend I'm ready. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go buy a sauna now. Um, but we use the sauna a lot for recommending people that just do it for recovery stuff. But the sauna, and I I don't want to give the wrong information here. Nate can, make, Nate can fact check me while I talk about it. But really, like the overall gist, the way that we explain it to people is you get a, a kind of a two for one when you use the sauna, it's really good for helping recovery. But in addition to getting the recovery components, it also helps kind of lengthen the stimulus that you're getting from your training. So if you're doing strength training and then you go get in the sauna afterwards, it kind of continues some of that slightly stressful stimulus that you get from doing strength training. But in addition to that, it's also boosting stuff that helps you recover. So you really do get, you get a little double, double whammy. Of, it bumps up your growth good, hormone good. a little bit and uh, growth hormone, um, growth hormone. I actually learned this the other day. I'm surprised I didn't know this, but it, it um, doesn't actually make your muscles build more. It doesn't make you build more muscle. It makes your connective tissue stronger. Whoa. Yeah. So that's cool. Which is a good recovery because a lot of the problems with recovery that people wind up seeing are tendon based. Yeah. Right. Itis. Right. Itis. <laughs> the old itis. <laughs> itis. I'm just. I'm, um, and I'll, cool studies ahead. too where they've had people that have had injuries uh, and have not been able to train using sauna versus not using sauna. The people using the sauna lose less. People using the sauna lose less muscle mass. So it helps maintain muscle mass. Right. I was going to read some of the sauna notes from, uh, I'll, I'll link this if you're watching this video or listening to the podcast. I'll link all this stuff below here because we can do that. Um, but uh, they say some, one, of the, one of the sauna benefits is reduced C-reactive protein levels, which is a marker of inflammation, increased excretion of heavy metals, enhanced mood. And hormones. And hormones, Detoxing. yeah. And then it reduces the risk of sudden cardiac death, cardiovascular-related mortality, coronary heart disease, stroke, hypertension, all-cause mortality, lots of bad things. I wonder how many of those things were just correlative because people that are in the sauna are generally healthier. I think a lot of them. I mean, just look at how many, what what is the the per capita saunas like? What's like one sauna per person in Scandinavian countries? Yeah. Yeah. I would trust that. Just that one statistic alone. Heat shock proteins, right. all the good stuff. There's so yeah. much good stuff. Yeah, we'll link this down here. This is. I can say this. this is a totally personal experience, so it's somewhat anecdotal. But uh, when I was checking my heart rate variability every day, there was a very substantial difference between how fast I could recover from a hard workout if I used the sauna that day or the day after versus the days where I just had too much shit to do and got busy and couldn't use the sauna. It was very common, like 
the heart rate variability program that I was using would basically give me a green day. And on a green day, it just said my body was ready to handle the most stress. So those would be the hard days that I would work out. A yellow day was more moderate stress. On those days, I would do like aerobic training. And then on my red days, I would do only the sauna or some really easy FRC based movement stuff, but things that were very low as far as demanding. Um, And really what I noticed that, you know, if I had like a red day and I was red, if I sat in the sauna and I did my recovery stuff, some really easy movement things, um, I would almost always be green the next day, ready to handle more stress. But if I was red or yellow and I skipped the sauna, I would almost always have at least more yellow days, if not another red day after that, where it was just clearly that my body wasn't recovering as fast. And I did that for very consistently, like every day for about a year and a half. So I had a large amount of, uh, of data points that I could look at for like, I could see clearly going back and looking at the graph seeing like, Oh yeah, those are the days I skipped the sauna. Those are the days I did the sauna. It was, it was great for helping yeah. me recover and get back to hard training days. We have sure. a infrared sauna. So if you don't like feeling like your face is on a grill, yeah, the uh, 200 degree heat of a regular ass sauna. What is the- it? Low EMF? Infrared. Yeah, we have we a low, low EMF, EMF one. infrared, yeah. But it uh, it's not as hot in there. Like it heats you kind of from within. Uh, yeah, it, the ambient it, is only 140. Yeah, but it warms your, it's supposed it's to warm hot, the tissue up like the up, up to an inch and a half or two below the surface of the skin. So it's about the same level of deep tissue warming that you get in the hot sauna, but you don't have to breathe in 200 degree air. Yeah, it's so, nice. You know, if you want to be all about that heat tolerance, though, a traditional sauna will definitely do that for you. Yeah, you have better exercise tolerance when you have better heat tolerance too. Yeah, 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 that too. Word, cool. Well, those are our recovery. Go forth and recover. Yeah. yeah, remember, prioritize your recovery over your training. Yep, recovery and you will is get better. fitness. Recovery yeah. is. It's 2020. We all know this now. Yeah, that's right. Ready to go cool. too. Yeah, the dog's ready to end the podcast. And cool. End. All right. Check. Goodbye. Three podcasts. Good work. Thanks for listening to episode six. Before you go, check out the episode description and you'll get links to the sauna report by Rhonda Patrick and a link to our YouTube episode on the supercompensation curve. If you were inspired by Sarah's breakdown of fueling for recovery and you want to do some nutrition coaching of your own, you can email her, sarah at basishp.com. That email is also in the episode description. And lastly, Basis is offering an online KinSearch membership launching early next week. If you like what you've heard on this podcast and you want to train with us, well, now you can. Reserve your space by emailing kinstretch at basishp.com. It goes without saying, but we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this episode. And as always, share this with your friends and family and follow us on the internet at Basis Health and Performance. Thanks for your support, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.